Welcome to Get the Word Out, where our goal is to destroy ignorance by speaking the word and having honest discussions that lead to wisdom. This is episode four, Where's the Line? I am Joshua Berkheimer, joined as always by my lovely wife, Megan. How are you doing today, honey? Hi, I'm doing good. We got our tea. I've got my peppermint tea tonight, which is really good. I've had like three cups of it. What are you drinking? Uh, right now, I have English tea time. It's my third cup in the last Ugh. hour or so. I don't like that stuff. Why? I don't know. It made me sick last time. I thought you were drinking that hot cinnamon spice stuff. No, 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 no. I gave my last pack away. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> that's Josh's new favorite tea, by the way. Hot cinnamon spice. It tastes like big red. It's yeah, fantastic. And it smells like it smells good too. It's fantastic. Last time you had three cups in front of you. Tonight you only have two. <laughs> Maybe next time you'll have one. <laughs> last Probably time not. last time he had sitting in front of him his hot tea, his glass of water, and also a glass of milk. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was absolutely ridiculous. But whatever whatever you need in front of you to do this. <laughs> 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 All right, so tonight, or today, I guess, whenever you're listening to this, it uh, it's night here, though. We're talking about uh, where's the line? So uh, the question is, as a Christian, how close can I get to sin without actually sinning? Hmm. So I feel like the people that are struggling with this, or if you're, if you're a Christian and you're asking yourself this question, you're thinking in your mind, okay... I want to keep my ticket to heaven, but I've got some really strong desires in me and I'm struggling and I don't know what to do. So this is, this is for you and we're going to help you tonight. So first of all, we're going to talk about what is sin. And James 4.17 says, uh, so whatever, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. That's English standard version. The new living translation says it is sin to know what you ought to do and not do it. So sin is missing the mark. It's like going outside of the guardrails that God has set for us. It's acting against his law. Mm -hmm. It's anything that comes in between you and God. It, it just, it messes with your relationship with God and it puts distance in between you. So what, what is so bad about it? Well, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. All sin leads to death. And I want to read something, a quote that I found from um, the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. If you're struggling with this, you should read that book. It's really good. It's a fiction book that he wrote. So basically there's this, um, I don't know, this this devil, his name is Screwtape, and he's training his junior tempter named Wormwood. And um, one of the things that he tells him on how to get this guy this so-called Christian to commit a sin. He says, indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. So this is, this is kind of tricky. I think I might offend some people tonight because I'm going to talk about alcohol a little bit, but um, he says the safest road to hell is a gradual one. And some people might be asking themselves, okay, so how close can I actually come to getting drunk without committing a sin? You're asking yourself the wrong question. Why not? I mean, there's nothing really good associated with alcohol, right? I mean, alcohol doesn't lead to anything good. It leads to a lot of bad things, actually. So why not Why not just stay away from it, you know? 
it, yeah, so, um, like you could say, well, the first, you know, it, it's not a sin to drink. And right. well, maybe that's true, but, you know, why even put yourself in a situation where you're having one drink if you know that the outcome is going to be getting drunk, right? That's what Yeah, and saying. why drink anyway if you're not going to get drunk? What's the point? Why put, like you said, why even put yourself in that situation? Okay, what else? Uh, yeah, so the example that comes to mind for me um, is really uh, like sexual sin. So uh, sex outside of marriage or, you know, looking at pornography, uh, whether it's hardcore porn or uh, those smut books those for smut you, books. smut books for you ladies. That's what Josh calls them, smut books. Uh, yeah, and so First uh, Corinthians says, "Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits outside the body, but sexually immoral person uh, sins against his own body." Yeah, so we we try to think of things that people are, that's relevant to our culture and our time. So that's why uh, what came to our mind when people are asking this question is sex and alcohol, adultery, pornography. So if you're asking yourself this question, you probably already have something in your own mind, which means that you probably already know that it's a sin and you're Mm -hmm. just trying to justify it. So you're already asking yourself the wrong question. The question that you should be asking yourself is how can I get as far away from this as possible? And sin, sin and temptation is like a really heavy topic that isn't really preached on a lot um, or talked about a lot. So the reason that we're doing this tonight isn't meant to condemn anybody. Wally is making noise over there, scratching himself. (laughs) This podcast isn't meant to condemn anybody. Um, Instead, it's meant to encourage you. It's meant to equip you on how to handle this because we want to see you overcome. This is not to be condemning. Yeah, no Christian is going to be immune from sin and temptation. So even Jesus, while he was perfect and he didn't sin, he was tempted. Um, And honestly, we've dealt with some of this stuff, some of the things that we're talking about tonight. Uh, And we've had to bring things into the light and ask each other for forgiveness. And uh, we know that it's possible uh, to overcome these things. It is is possible. Yeah, so he... Like Josh said, even Jesus was tempted. Why? Because not only was he fully God, but he was fully human. And temptation is a part of the human experience. And so we'll talk more about that later, about how Jesus taught us how to deal with it. But there were a lot of other, there were great people in the Bible who kind of succumbed to temptation and sinned. So David sinned. He committed adultery. Mm -hmm. Um, Had a guy... Had a guy killed. Yeah. Um, Samson and Delilah. I mean, people that had God's power all over them, and they've still kind of fallen into this trap. Second Timothy 2.22 says, flee from sin. So um, I think about Joseph, who literally had to run away from the temptation when Potiphar's wife wanted him to sleep with her. She asked several times and kept trying to get him to sleep with her. And Joseph literally had to run away. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, it was probably the only way that he was going to be able to, you know, have the, the self-control. You know, we um, were given a, a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and of self-control. And literally running away from the sin was, was the only way. That's how he had to deal with that, yeah. Yeah. Um, he was protecting himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Uh, 
And so the Holy Spirit is, uh, John 16, 8 says, the Holy Spirit uh, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Uh, so I, I think we'll talk about this a little later too, but it's, um, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to convict you of, of those things that you know are sins and, and there's no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ. So God doesn't condemn us. Um, oh, this is what I was thinking about earlier, but the, but the Holy Spirit will gently convict you when you are, uh, you know, when you are living in sin. Yeah. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Okay. So in order to tackle this, we need to talk about the enemy's plan for you. So there is a war waged against your soul. So the enemy has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. The only person that can take you outside of, you know, God's plan or the enemy's plan is you. So you, it comes down to your choices. John 10.10 says that the, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy Um, so that's the enemy's plan for you. He wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. Mm -hmm. Um, and it also says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So Jesus came so that we could have life and have it more abundantly and have it to the fullest. Okay. So I wanted to talk more about the screw tape, the screw tape notes from that book, C.S. Lewis. Um, one of the things that Wormwood, the the junior tempter says, or no, maybe it's screw tape. I don't know. Either way, they're both evil. doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) He says, It's funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. The enemy's best work is done by keeping things out of your mind. I mean, oftentimes people think, Oh, the enemy's putting all these these bad thoughts into my mind. He's doing this and that. Well, really, he just wants his best work is done by keeping you away from the truth, Mm -hmm. keeping you out of church. He wants to keep you out of church. That's his plan for you. He wants to, um, keep you out of the Bible. He wants to keep you from listening to different preachers online. He wants to keep you away from that stuff. That's going to bring truth into your life and bring the Holy spirit's gentle conviction. That's his plan for us. And if he can't, um, destroy you, he wants to steal your joy he wants to render us ineffective for the kingdom. So if he can't have you fallen into sin, he's okay with you just cruising through life as a powerless Christian, you know, ineffective mm-hmm. for the kingdom. So what do you gain by giving into temptation? Any pleasure that you gain from it is temporary. It's temporary. It always, temptation always oversells and it underdelivers. Mm-hmm. Okay. A sinful life will always require more from you than a holy life. So it's going to be a sinful life is going to be more work for me, for you than a holy life. The devil always takes more from you than God asks from you. So living apart from God is going to be more stressful. I mean, it might seem fun at first, but it's always going to take and take and take and lead you down that gradual road. And um, I think it's important to say here that there's no free sin. Sin has to be paid for. Jesus paid the price for all of our sins, the past, present, future, whatever. But sin makes it difficult to communicate with God. And it can actually hinder your blessings from God. So God has a plan for you, and he's got good things in store for you. And if you are living in in sin, that can hinder your blessings from God. So the best way that I can give you a picture of this is I used to teach kids' church, and I remember one Sunday 
we were kind of talking about how sin can um, keep you from God's blessing. So we had one person, we had two kids standing up front and one of them had his hands open and then the other one had an umbrella over his head. And so the, and then <laughs> well, the children's pastor was like trying to pour M&Ms into their hands. So the M&Ms were the, <laughs> were the blessing from God. And so the person with the umbrella had all these notes on the umbrella and the, all the notes had like sin on them. So lying and cheating and stealing and all this stuff. So the person with the umbrella over his head, when she tried to dump the M&Ms out, they would just bounce off the umbrella and he would never actually get any of the M&Ms while the other person had his hands open. He was getting all the M&Ms. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the best way that I can picture it, that hindering yeah. from God's blessings. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, I think it's it's easy to measure our our joy or our happiness by worldly standards. Uh, yeah. You know, you see, um, you know, you see people who are having what they would consider fun by you know partying and sleeping with a bunch of women, and uh, honestly, sometimes it's it's like you know you you kind of. Uh, I guess you're kind of jealous of that lifestyle, or you have. It's it, possible to it be jealous. It seems more freeing. You, yeah, yeah. It seems more freeing and more fun. And mm-hmm. um, but you know, in Proverbs it says, "Don't be jealous of sinners. Instead, always fear the Lord." Um, and I think it's. I mean, it's a proverb for a reason, right? I mean, clearly, I'm not the only one who looks at other people's, you know, lives that look fun and has some like bit of jealousy yeah, and you're that, only seeing the surface of their life you don't really know what's going on when they're doing all that kind of stuff and you said about joy and happiness and joy is something that christians live with that's deeply rooted that can't be shaken happiness is like a circumstantial type of thing that just kind of comes and goes you know like that's based yeah. on circumstances but what christians have is a deeply rooted joy in their hearts that's not going to go anywhere no matter what our circumstances. Um, So we're going to go through four lies about sin. So lies that you may be believing and then we're going to say the truth behind each of these. So number one, uh, you might be saying, oh, it's okay if I do this because it doesn't really affect anyone else. As long as no one knows, it's okay. But really, the truth is your sins can absolutely affect others, not just yourself. And the Bible says that your sin will find you out because God sees everything. I mean, it it, it will affect other people and it will, it will eventually come out. Your sins will find you out. Uh, number two. Yeah, so people may say, oh, you know, God understands. He He knows where my heart is. He sees, you know, how I truly feel about this thing. So he understands if I... You know, sin, his grace is sufficient. His grace will cover it. But grace is not a license to sin. Uh, you must be you must be truly sorry for your sin and repent. You know, repentance is like a turning away from your sin, right? Right. Um, you don't keep going back to it. You don't, yeah, That's you don't keep going is. back to it. Oh, God, I messed up again. Forgive me, you know. Yep. And then you go back and do it again. Oh, God, please forgive me. And yeah. then you go back and do it again. Oh, God, please forgive me. Uh, in Romans 6, uh says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul's like, heck no, you know. Um, That's the Joshua Berkheimer translation. Yeah, it, it might actually be in the <laughs> message. It sounds like something that would be in there. But yeah. uh, how can we who died to sin still live in it. So if we truly are dead to sin, 
we're not going to keep No, you're not going to desire to sin. Yeah. If you died to us, if you died to sin. Number right. 3. Number 3. I can't help it if you only knew <laughs> If you only knew how bad it was. If you only knew maybe how I can't live without this sin. Um I really just can't take myself away from it. I can't help it. It the defines truth, who I am. The truth, <laughs> the truth is, God, God Almighty is bigger than anything that you are going through, and no matter how bad it is or how attached you think you are to it, the blood of Jesus washes away even the worst sins. And the mm-hmm. Bible says it, that He puts it as far away as the east is from the west. And one of the things that we can do to help that come along is take every thought captive second corinthians 10 5 take every thought captive control your thoughts don't let your thoughts control you right you can really like sit in silence and let your mind go crazy but the bible says that we need to take our thoughts and make them obedient that's part of like the renewing of the mind uh let's see romans 6 12 through 14 don't let sin have dominion over you right we have dominion over it First Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I always like that verse because uh, people say, "Oh, you know, God won't give me more than I can handle," which the Bible doesn't say that. This is where right. that comes from. So right. maybe that's a different topic some other day. People misquoting the Bible. Yeah. But yeah. anyway. Okay. All right. <laughs> you can do number four. Uh, What's the lie? Yeah, the lie is, uh, it's really not that bad. I won't let it get out of control. There there are people who are are way worse than me. It's not like I murdered anyone. Yeah. Um, But the truth is, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Uh, And in Matthew, Matthew 5, you know, Jesus says, uh, but I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So not committing adultery, you know, one of the Ten Commandments, right? And Jesus is saying, listen, my standard is, if you even look at someone lustfully, you've already broken that commandment. You've already uh, fallen short of the law. You've missed the mark. You've sinned, right? Um where are we here? So this is for people that are saying, you know, this is just a little thing. It's it's not going to get it out of control, you know. It might just be a little sin, but in God's eyes, sin is sin. And that's that's what it comes down to. And when you are doing this little sin, whatever you think is really not that bad. And you think, oh, it's not. I, I'm going to keep it under control. It's already gotten out of control if you're mm-hmm. thinking that way. You're outside of the guardrails that God has put up for you. Yeah. And so I feel like some people look at those as, you know, like the no fun zone. You're living within God's limits. It's the no fun zone, but no, it's not. It's where you're free and you can live safely within those guardrails. And if you're outside of that, you're in the danger zone because all sin leads to death. Yeah. Who was I? I forget who I was listening to the other day, but, um, you know, people, people look at the law of, um, you know, people look at the law or, biblical standards as uh like a hindrance of of doing fun things when like we said they're really guardrails uh so if you're you know traveling down the road and you know you fall asleep or you swerve to miss a squirrel or whatever and you hit a guardrail uh 
and you get out and you know you look at your car your fender's all dinged up you're not mad at the guardrail you're not mad because the guardrail dinged up your car you're grateful for the guardrail because without it you'd been over the cliff right right and so uh when you look at the bible as or you know god's uh god's plans or, or the law basically as uh, guardrails that are meant as a safeguard to protect you. You see right. them in a completely different way than right. if you're looking at them as, oh, I don't want to serve this God who just doesn't want me to have fun. Right. He's yeah. trying to keep you from falling over the cliff. Right. Do you want to read Proverbs six twenty-seven to 29? Uh, sure. Uh, or is that part of the next part? Yeah, no, it's... Um, it's talking about uh, no such thing as sin without suffering. So can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? Uh, then it talks specifically about um, adultery. But so is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. Uh, none who touches her will go unpunished. But really you can apply that to to anything. That you know? kind of... Okay, so the way I read that is... What are you surrounding yourself with? Like, show me, I've heard this a few weeks ago, show me who your friends are and I'll show you where you're going. Like, who are, are you surrounding yourself with people who are um, tempting you or putting temptation in front of you? Or are you surrounding with yourself with godly men and women who are going to um, bring truth into your life and encourage you to go to church and go to a small group and read your Bible and pray with you? I mean, who are you surrounding yourself with? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're not going to leave you without how to handle this kind of stuff. And I wanted to talk about um, deeply rooted desires and disordered desires. So think about your like five top deeply rooted desires. And we need to think about what our number one primary desire should be. It should be God and his calling and purpose for your life. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom seek first the kingdom and live righteously so you need to make sure in your heart that your number one deeply rooted desire is god first because if it's anything else you're just gonna keep falling into this sin intent i mean yeah. it's gonna keep going and you're gonna keep getting tempted by stuff mm-hmm. if it's one of your desires then it's just gonna keep going um you need to know that um a coping mechanism or like an outward approach is never going to fix the problem or your coping mechanisms because that's dealing with the outward stuff. You need to deal with the inward stuff, your deeply rooted desires and get them in line so that you won't fall into sin. So I think another important thing to remember is that the enemy is a copycat So when you're tempted by things, they might seem really good, but they're only good in their proper place. So things Mm -hmm. like sex and food and entertainment and recreation, they're good in their proper place. But the enemy is always going to twist stuff around and turn it into something else. Like he's not, the enemy is not creative. God is the creator. God created things for good. The enemy is a deceiver and he twists things around. So let's look at how Jesus handled temptation. I think, I forget what the scripture is, but I think it's Luke 4. Um, when he is in the wilderness and he's tempted and the devil comes to him and he tempts him with food. Mm-hmm. And food is good, right? Mm-hmm. And what does Jesus say? 
it is written, man does not live by bread alone. And every time that the enemy comes against him, he comes back with, it is written, it is written, it is written. And I think one of the reasons that that is in the Bible is because God is showing us that whatever Jesus did, we're also capable of doing that. It's not like Jesus pointed his finger at the devil and like zapped him to go away. (laughs) I mean, he could have done that because he was also fully God, but he wanted to show us, hey, what I'm doing is what you can do when you're faced with this kind of stuff. You need to come at it with scripture and say, listen, this is what the Bible says, right? Mm -hmm. All right. So let's talk about um, overcoming sin. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the Bible says we've overcome uh, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Um, Yeah, so Jesus, he didn't just cover up our sins. He washed them away. And when you're speaking out the word of your testimony, that's bringing into the light. And it's, I mean, sin's got no more power over you at that point. You've overcome. You're an overcomer. But we've got to do more than overcome. We've got to stay free, right? Yeah, faith makes no compromises with the things of this world. So get free and stay free. All right, so you need to make no compromises. No compromises. So that means you're not going to be iffy and wishy-washy when you come towards this stuff that's that's temptation. You need to stay deeply rooted. And we talked about those desires. You need to have your desires in order, which means... God's on the throne, not you. You don't get to decide, oh, well, I feel it's this way. I feel that this is right for me right now. I don't feel bad about this. I know it's in the Bible that we shouldn't do this. But this is, I feel like this is okay right now. When we start making those decisions, we've made a, we've made ourselves into a God, into an idol. Yeah. And we've put ourselves on the throne of our heart. And we've kicked God off. And we need to stay rooted in what the Bible says is right and wrong. Yeah. Um, if you're struggling with something, I, I think this is especially true with, you know, secret sins. Um, bring it into the light. You know, right. Tell somebody about it. Get an accountability partner. Uh, the sin loses its power if it's brought into the light. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard, I think, for uh, someone to really have a a desire to do something in secret um, if someone else, you know, knows about it or if they're accountable to somebody else Uh, because then you have the shame of, you know, telling the other person about it, I guess. Um, So uh, keep uh, keep feeding on the word. You know, we need the word to speak against Satan like we were just saying. Uh, Stay in church, you know, if you don't have a church, find a good Bible teaching church, get in there, surround yourself with good people who are, you know, going in the direction that you want to be going and going in the right direction. Uh, it's important to uh, surround yourself with good people. Uh, what did yeah, you say keep, earlier? Keep putting that good stuff into your mind. Like, like we said earlier, in reality, the, the enemy's best work is done by keeping things out. He's trying to keep not only things out, but people out of your life that are going to keep you inside those guardrails. So stay in, stay in church. I mean, some people say like, oh, well, the church is full of hypocrites. So what? Show them what a good Christian looks like. Surround yourself with people who aren't hypocrites. Surround yourself with good, godly people who are going in the same direction as you. So we want you to we really don't want you to feel condemned after this. I want you to feel encouraged. I want you to feel like you can handle this. I want you to 
feel like you're a little bit more equipped to deal with whatever sin you're dealing with or whatever temptation you're dealing with. And I want you to feel like you have answers and that you're ready to stay in those guardrails guardrails, and come into alignment with God's will for your life because it's always better and it's always more fulfilling than the enemy's plan for your life. Because John 10.10 10 says, I have come so you can have life and have life more abundantly. Yeah. Life more abundantly. Like God wants to give you things. The enemy wants to take things. We said he came to kill, still, and destroy. He wants to take things from you. That's not what God wants for you. He yeah. wants you to have life and have it more abundantly. So that we, we hope you feel encouraged and equipped today. Yeah, and uh, we really appreciate you all taking the time to listen today. Uh, next time, uh, actually today's uh, today's topic was was brought to us by uh, someone who had listened and you know sent us a message and wanted us yeah. to talk a little bit about this so this or just is something, send us a note to say hi yeah I don't know. Uh, so this is something um <laughs> that that I, I believe everyone has struggled with it or struggles with it and uh we again we really want you guys to feel encouraged so we really appreciate you taking the time to to listen to us today next time we are going to discuss the importance of uh, a spiritual family, which is something that we've touched on uh, a little bit. Unless we today. change our minds at the last minute or something and <laughs> decide to do something else, because I don't think we've stuck with any of our original topics. Like we've changed them. Origi- no, but when we've said that we were going to talk about something next time, that is what we have yeah, talked about. Yeah, so, you're right. uh, but we did have an original list of topics. When and we, we haven't started. done any we of haven't, them. <laughs> we haven't stuck with that list at all. That's uh, okay. But more than likely, next time we'll be discussing the importance of of a good spiritual family and uh feel free to send us uh your questions your comments tell us your favorite hot tea tell us your favorite <laughs> type of tea uh <laughs> if you have any other feedback for us if you want us to to talk in depth about something you know send us ideas for that what's that gross tea that you had that smelled like smoke what's that oh that saying that saying su chong yeah something like that gross but anyway, nice. <laughs> uh, it tastes like a campfire. It's not, no, it's not it's that gross. bad. It's a little strong. It's nasty. Uh, but yeah, send us your questions, comments, feedback. If you want us to be praying for you or even pray with you for anything, you know, um, get a hold of us. You can reach us at podcast at get the word out dot today. You know, we would love for you to subscribe to our podcast. Uh, we're on iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn and Google, Google Podcasts, where all the Yay. you know where all the kids are these days. <laughs> uh, so again, thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time. Bye. <laughs>